Hello and welcome everyone. I am Jake Wurzak and this is Masters of Moments. This podcast features conversations with the top entrepreneurs and business leaders around hospitality, real estate, investing, and company building. We explore the ideas, strategies, and approaches that brought them to where they are today. Hear the insights, behind the scenes secrets, and methods you can't find anywhere else. This podcast is for you if you are a seasoned investor, an upstart entrepreneur, or someone looking to break into the real estate and hospitality investing world. I would love to hear from you by tweeting me at jwerzak on Twitter. And if you have enjoyed this show, I'd be incredibly grateful if you followed us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever podcast platform you listen to. We record on video, so you can always find all of our episodes on YouTube and be sure to subscribe. Thank you so much for joining me and enjoy the show. My conversation today is with Mauro Governado, General Manager of Chateau de la Messardière in Saint-Tropez, France. This is one of the most amazing hotels in the world. And Mauro is the conductor of an amazing team and an amazing staff that creates memories and experiences to last a lifetime. It was truly amazing. And my family and I had an amazing time visiting Mauro and the team at Chateau de la Messardière. It was truly unforgettable. We discussed everything from his career, how he came up in the hospitality business, how he creates these memories, how he thinks about the guest experience and reinvesting in the physical property. We also talked about food and beverage and how important it is to create a community and a vibe at a certain level that's cohesive with the entire experience of the hotel. Please enjoy my conversation today with Mauro Governato. All right, Mauro, thanks for coming on Masters of Moments. I really want to understand, I think maybe a good place to start would be to know how you got started in hospitality. Thank you, Mr. Rosette. Thank you for inviting me on this lovely, uh, not television, sorry, on this broadcast. We're on television. It's it's on television. YouTube too. <laughs> right. I started this career in the hotel business, in the hospitality industry, by by chance. I wanted actually to learn languages and to travel the world. And so after I finished the compulsory school, the exam, I wanted to travel, but obviously my family comes from a region between Milan and Turin where we, we grow rice. We had rice industry to, to sell the... Mm, packages of rice to make risotto. It was too complicated for travel going. At that time, there was not the sabbatical year, right? Yeah. So then I said, oh, the hotel industry, the hotel school, uh, you learn English, German, French. I said, well, that sounds nice. Let's do that. And so I entered like that. And then I went to slowly, slowly, I went to do some casual part-time work for a season here, a season in another hotel. And I thought, Oh, that's interesting. We can also discover the world. So I started to work in the Courmayeur in Mont Blanc, then in Portofino. Then I came to France and I thought, ah, that's interesting industry. And that's then I, then the rest is history. So how did you find your way to where we are today? Chateau de la Massardière? Oh, it's been a long, long career. I started from, I started really from the bottom of the ladder. I started from the commis de position. 
because when you go to a, a foreign country, you don't know the language. So they always need a runner. You know, they always need somebody who carry the, the plates or, or the, the, or the tray. And then you start to, you know, learn the language because at school you learn the language, but then you don't know the, the sound. Right. The, and so you are always into this weird conversation where you just at the end is no problem. Right. <laughs> so, but that gave me quite a lot of, I would say quite a lot of momentum in learning the language and in learning the job. Then I got slowly promoted to Chef de Rang. Then I got slowly promoted to First Met Hotel. And I beginning, I work in the restaurant business in the Michelin star restaurant. At some point, I was really taken by the beauty and the revolution of the nouvelle cuisine. I would, that were the nineties. So I worked in the famous chef in, uh, in France. I worked in Gualtiero Marchese in Italy, Sigman in Munich. And for me was a great lesson of discipline, of consistency, was a great lesson also of how surprising the guest was important at that time, because the guest most of the time was reading a menu they didn't understand. The, the, the description of the menu was two lines, right? And so at the end they were ordering, but the plate when it was coming was such wow. There was the importance of the visual. That's what he all learned. And then at some point I said, oh, would be nice also to go into the hotel business and to try to learn the parts of the room division, right? What's going on there. And then I thought there were many analogies between selling a table and selling a rooms. And then I done a couple of Cornell courses in Cornell University and one in Amsterdam where there is the affiliation of Cornell University. And then I expatriated to Mauritius. Then I went to Maldives. Very interesting experience, the Maldives experience. And then I came back to Europe and I worked for four seasons for 13 years. And then uh, I done the, the iconic, you know, palace in Paris. And then a gentleman proposed me to come to see this hotel in Messardier in Saint-Tropez. I came here with no much hope. And then I was totally taken away by this project because we're taking an amazing hotel, you know, a, an hotel that has an amazing location. And we slowly renovate to bring into, I believe, what is going to be in two years time, one of the most iconic hotel in Côte d'Azur. I told my wife, I think yesterday, that this is definitely going to be one of the iconic hotels where people come with their family for 20 years. When I was a kid, I went to Hotel du Cap and it was kind of the same thing and people still go there. They have the same room for 20 years and there's only a handful of the hotels in the world that you can actually create that experience. I want to talk about Massardier. But I want to go back to your food and beverage background, because I think that's the hardest part of hospitality. So I'm curious to know, starting there, what kind of advantages or insights did you gain to then go into hospitality on the room side? Well, leading a restaurant or leading a high, I had the chance to do like in the hotel, I been leisure and I've been at the city hotel and I done 
volume restaurant and high caliber or high profile restaurant, you own the customer for two or three hours. And therefore, you learn that one of the things that you learn is that you have the time always to, in case if necessary, to recover an experience or to make just an incredible experience. But the important is that you understand that in the hotel and in the restaurant, it's an experience. It's not just delivering the food, it's not just serving the wine and making sure that everything is perfect at the table, they pay the bill, and maybe they come back. What the hotel, what, what the F&B, what the restaurant gives you is the opportunity to connect and to create and to make sure that everybody is catered at their taste, at their requirements. So it's very personalized. And the same goes in the room. So the moment that you are able to go off the menu because a guest asked you a dish without something or maybe came in that restaurant because you remember a dish and that now is no more on the menu because the, ch the chef has decided to change the menu and you are able to replicate it as he had in a memory three years ago. That's the connection that you create. And that's when the customer feels I'm recognized because at the end, it all goes down to recognition. It all goes down to how can I make sure that this gentleman has E plus one, expectation equal a little bit more. So he comes to the restaurant and he leaves the table thinking, whoa, I had really a great moment. And the same for the hotel. I had a really long stay or a beautiful stay or even better, a memorable stay. And when it's memorable, if it's, it's when the customer says, I want to book already for next year or during the stay, they're thinking to come or they project themselves to come for the next year. And that's what I think are the winning formula. How do you recognize a guest? Well, you recognize a guest in a way that you use, after being in the business for quite a while, you see the guest, uh, what they like, how they feel, but the body language is tremendously important. The, 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 the expression, Plus, let's not forget the restaurant and even more the hotel. It's a place where there is a connection. So the guests, they come and they express their, you know, or they put us in their, in our hands, their valuable time of vacation. So they express, if you want, their feelings and sometimes can be feelings of joy. Most of the time, I have feeling of being really cheerful, having a great time. And sometimes also they, they express you joy or frustration because something goes wrong. But the guest, you recognize in the fact that you know either through the travel agency how they book, what they, what they like, what their preference is, or because you know it for previous day. You also know him through your staff and your team because Every one of us, me as a GM, you cannot uh, think to know everything. You have obviously to rely and to count on your people. They report to me a lot of information that we transform into the now technological systems where we have all the software necessary, where 
we say this person like this, this family like this, this child likes this, he prefers to do the pony riding, he doesn't want to eat, he cannot eat this or that, the customer prefers this room, they prefer uh, a special part of the hotel, they come here for sport or for spa. So there are a lot of ways to recognize the customer into technological world in the software. But at the end of the day, when the customer is on presence on the hotel, in the premises, the face-to-face connection and the eye-to-eye connection is what for me still works. And through the body language and through the eye connection, I can still feel "Mm, this something wrong. Go and check what's going on, what's happening. And then my important question that I've asked during and repeated during all these years is at the end of the day, something when you come by at the table in the evening or during or in the lobby, how can I make you happy? Tell me how can I, what would you make you happy? Because that's a very open question. Usually the customer always responds with an open heart. I've been staying here and I've stayed at a lot of luxury hotels and oftentimes I don't always see the GM walking around. I don't always see the GM at the restaurant late at night. That seems to be your style. Why is that your style? Because I come from the restaurant business and uh, in the restaurant, when I learned the business, there was a gentleman when I used to work in Germany in this three Michelin star restaurant. He told me one sentence I always remember. He said, you are in charge of the restaurant. Therefore, everything goes on here in front, in the restaurant, not in the back. And that actually was totally true. And I carry on that since many, many years in the hotel as well. In the lobby, there is a lot of things that goes on in the lobby of the hotel. You can see people that goes by and no matter if the interaction is 30 seconds, one minute, two minutes. I think people, they have, like in the restaurant, the, the sense that somebody's in charge here. And so I, I, my, my style of management is I have always a pen, you know, I, I use a little uh, notes. I, I put my, because obviously now the year has passed by, I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> but I write in the things down, oh, this needs to clean, the painters needs to do a little bit of paint there. This customer told me that their conditioning doesn't work, for instance, in the room, or said to me, there is a great lady in the breakfast, you know, she's done a fantastic job. So we have reward programs for, 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 for the staff. I note it down or I make sure I pass by during the day. I see her and I say, hey, well done. You've done a fantastic job. And so for, for me, the, the staying in front is also gives me two, two things. One, first of all, it's much easier to know your customer and to first of all connect. So whatever happens, we find a quick solution. And second of all is also a respect towards the people that they fly in this case from all over the world, from US, from Australia, from Europe. And I think if I invite you to my place, or if you invite me to your place, at least what I expect that you open me the door when I enter your house. Yes. 
and there is not the butler or there is not or can be the butler but at least during my visit i see you in an emotional way i connect with you in an emotional way and i think this for me is very important because obviously there is a price tag to pay there is a value to pay but we we have also to make sure that we put a face to this name of Messardière RL. Who is this guy who invites us here? Or who is this person? Who is the group of people? So that's... And plus, I, I, I think also, just to add up, it's a personal matter as well, because I prefer to sort out everything in face-to-face than to go on the computer and to yes. write email. It's better. It's much better. It saves me time. 100%. What did you learn working in the Maldives? You said that was interesting. I said it was interesting because that gave me, for the first time, really the impression that as a general manager in that environment where you have 100 rooms, 220 guests, and 350 or 400 employees, everyone lives together because the island is 1.2 kilometers long. 600, 800 meters wide. So you are becoming like the, the, the GM, but then you need to be the father of everyone. And then you are the mayor of this village. Right. You have to produce your own electricity. You have to take great care, therefore, of the, you know, the, the power unit. You have to take care of your desalination water system because otherwise there is no water for people to shower or to brush their teeth. Yeah. The basic. And you have to make sure that you have in your team creative people that if the boat doesn't come because the sea is rough, you have no food entering, you have to come up with something. You have to come up with an idea. And plus I leave, plus I leave the, the, the natural disaster of the tsunami there. And so we had to come up with quite a lot of ideas and plan at the last minute because in two or four, nobody knew what was a tsunami. Right. And that gave me quite a lot of confidence. And I always repeat here to all my team that we are taking this hotel from point A to point C, that we have always to look invincible. We are in front of the guests. We have to be the person that we can sort out any issue, that we can give joy, that we can give a good time. No matter what's going on in the back, that's nobody needs to know. And this confidence gave me, and at the same time, I have to be, you know, be there a little bit psychologist for them because they come to my office and they express, oh, it's so tough, it's difficult today. You know, yesterday, an example, classical, our beautiful state of France decided to cut electricity for one hour and a half in the hotel. Nobody knew, nobody was warned. So (laughs) what do we do? All right. So, you know, and so it's, it's important that towards our team, towards our people, and towards our guest, we have a plan. And if we don't have a plan, like it happened to me during the tsunami, we were so honest to say, listen, I don't know what came just now of this wave that invaded our resort and got only for half a meter. 
But in two hours' time, I give you an answer. And I'm saying to you this is because the, the guest, our credibility goes through the fact that the guest needs to understand that you are reliable. And when you don't have an answer, it's fine to say as well, I don't have an answer, but let me find out and I come back to you. It's no point to invent, to cover, to do something. I always, you know, I, I teach my, my kids, you know, tell me the truth, whatever it is, and then we try to fix. <laughs> I told them so much this that now they always call me to say that I have a problem. <laughs> That's good though. It's better than not, right? It's better than not. So we're sitting here in one of the most beautiful hotels that I've ever been to in Saint-Tropez. What is the new story of Chateau de la Massardière? Because it seems like it's been here forever. It has in a way, but it was also just newly created. So maybe you can tell us about the place that we're sitting. This, this property, Chateau de la Messardière, has always been here as an hotel. In actual fact, our bar is called 1904. It's the first time that a bar was opened in Côte d'Azur. Because the general of Napoleon who bought this property, bought it for himself and Madame de la Messardière, his wife, and she liked to educate people in this beautiful castle on top of the hill, you know, that has an amazing view on the Bay de Pamplon, where all the beach clubs nowadays are. Yep. And at the same time as well, into the Gulf of Saint-Tropez. So we are enjoying a, a great, every room has sea views. And then went through transformation of First War, Second World War, two, three, four, five owners until a owner, a French owner in the 20, uh, in 2017, 18, decided to put it on sale. A lot of people came to visit. And just prior to COVID, ARL, our company with our owner, decided to acquire it with a vision to transform it into an hotel of a level of RL, like we have RL in Courchevel, we have RL in Versailles, and one in Provence in Gordes, and this one will be the Côte d'Azur. So the idea was really to offer to customers that they come from abroad the most beautiful French-style vacation that you can have. So the history of France in Versailles, the skiing resort in Courchevel, the Provence lavender flavor in Provence, in Gord, and the sunshine, the Côte d'Azur and Mediterranean. And then life, you know, is always a surprise. He bought also a property in Venice. So in two years' time, we have the first international property in Venice that we got to open as RN. And this vision that really made me buy into this idea is that this hotel can be placed into the Côte d'Azur iconic destination because yes, we have the great location. Yes, we have 13 hectares of park with private vegetation in Saint-Tropez that is very rare. So you can ensure privacy, you can ensure security, you can ensure you know, being in an oasis of peace. At the same time, we offer shuttles 24 hours to go to Saint-Tropez. You are in the bus and the, of the village and then you come back. 
But the most important was to try to infuse that in the hospitality business nowadays, we can offer a level of generosity, a level of welcoming that I've done few hotel companies before, suddenly has been forgot or is being contained or refrained. The idea is to have an important rate, quite important to pay the price, but then when you enter then the door, you really enjoy your vacation. Right. All the little things that you find at the end of your bill and then maybe can sometimes be annoying. Uh, you know, in the hotel business, since five or six years ago, there were still companies that were charging for Wi-Fi. Right. And actually, there are still important companies nowadays that you log on the Wi-Fi and then they say to you, great connection for three days, but if you want a premium, you pay for two or three euros per, per, per day. Yeah. So like there is the customer of level A and then there is the customer of the level A+. plus. Right. This is just to give an example. And in his vision, this is, because he leaves the hotel, is a gentleman that has the possibilities of being an hotel guest. So we think with the mentality totally like what a customer, what a premium customer would like, would enjoy. So thinking of this, we really put ourselves in their mindset. And this is a beauty for us because then we have this five years renovation program for this property. We have done three phases and we have two more phases to go that I think is going to be at the end a unique product. How do you balance creating all these amazing experiences and moments for the guests, maybe it's a little thing like pajamas in the room or an eye mask or a bag. Maybe it's something larger like the kids club and with the profitability of the hotel and the expense to put on this amazing show. It's all come from a mindset in which you are in the sense that there is an important price, an important rate. But then if you think about it, yes, there is quite a lot of, I would say, expensive things that we offer because our kids club, when we decided to do the kids club, that was a, to give an example, that was an important reflection. I would say 90% of the, of the companies, hotel companies would have transformed a private villa of 500 square meter with 1.2 hectares of land into a great accommodation facilities to charge 25,000 euro a day yep. with a private pool. And we transform it into a kids club because we, we believed that with 13 hectares of parks, this hotel could really target what I call the three generations, you know, the, the grandfather, the father and the, the, and the kids. And everyone can find their space, can find their vacation and have a great time. At the same time, can become a place for celebration, a place for anniversaries, a place for wedding. And so it, it can really tailor for different occasions. So going back to, to, to your question is we create a base of revenue that is almost secure because you have quite a lot of repeat business. We know more or less what we're going to have. It's not for us something that 
wow, what is our first top line? And we focus on that top line. We don't focus on the bottom line. We focus on the top line and we say, how can we give, I don't know if the English expression is correct, the crave for people to actually spend more money and having fun? Because if you do a kids club and then you just leave it with the technological machine, with internet machine, with yeah. the games or the cinema, it's great. But what could we do? So then we said we'd bring pony lessons and then we decided we include the pony lesson. We decided to include everything. But, you know, the, the kids club has also become a source of revenue because the second or secondary, the owners of secondary house around our hotel, they can buy the membership as well during certain times. We have weekly, monthly or B or B monthly membership. So we accept a limited number of, of children. In the legal term, we have 23 people working there, but we still have a little income coming in there. So then we have the pony riding, we have judo lesson, we bring a judo teacher, teacher. we have hip hop dance on Saturday, yep. swimming classes. So it becomes also, they go to collect in the vegetable garden, the tomatoes, they, they, they do the sauce or they cook, they do the pizza, they do, uh, we bring the family to do the tartropezien lesson, patisserie lesson, etc. And so at the end, we decided to say, okay, the normal margin of the hotelery are, when I used to work for big companies in the room division, oh, the margin needs to be around 75, 78%. We said, maybe we can lower it off four or five points. Because what we wanted to give is we are a very small company. We are not in any stock exchange list. It's privately owned. And the idea at the end is to create something that our owner could pass to their kids that now they are in grade school in US and to leave legacy. And therefore we believe that this is going to be a great foundation with a long-term vision. On the other end, obviously you gain on uh, reputation, iconic, and you never know, obviously if one day you put it on the market, what is the price? Right. In other terms, to make the story short, is not what we're gonna earn in two or three years time or in four years time to show great result for group of shareholders, but is what we're gonna have in 20 years for the same family. It's a debate I have with my team a lot, actually, because in some properties, the bottom line profitability is everything. But even if you have a great bottom line, but the top line is still weak or not fulfilling its full potential, it doesn't matter because the hotel doesn't work. So I often push people that we will figure out the bottom line. It's the top line that we need to focus on because that is what's hard. And to your point, if you ever go and sell the hotel, someone will always think maybe they could do it better, they could do it differently, and they'll solve the few points on the bottom line. But the top line is some of the most challenging things. And I'm struck by something else you said, because it's what I've experienced here. And I don't know if it's intentional or it happens by accident, but there's a sense of community here. 
And there's a sense of community with the kids because my kids have now made little friends that they want to come back and maybe see next year. But then even the parents, maybe it's because we see you talking to other people, but you know, you're at a bar and you talk to the person next to you. Not every hotel is like that. Some hotels, you don't look this way or that way. You look straight ahead. In this hotel, there's a sense of community that's very unique. Is that something that you think about often or is that just naturally happen? Uh, we want to give a, we believe we are a luxury product. I think we are a great luxury product. We have this great belief. At the same time, the luxury product has to give a sense of, I can say to you, a joy as to have a sense of we are on holiday. You know, things have to be easy and relaxed. We are not into this kind of total discipline where things have to be done in a certain way. For, for somebody, they might like this, we have to do this. For another, somebody likes that. So you have to be able to adapt yourself. And in the spirit with all my team, I always run with, we have to be very consistent. We have to be very disciplined. We have to be very focused. But at the same time, there is to be a good sense of humor. We, we, we laugh sometimes. We have a morning meeting where we laugh. We understand how serious it is. But at the end of the day, we don't enter into an hospital and we do a, a heart surgery. So we are dealing with human people, no matter what happened, it can be fixed. It's just a matter, we are not in a zero defect. You know, we don't produce 5,000 glasses the same. Every customer is the same. The weather can be different. We are different. We are not in a zero defect industry. We are in an industry where we need to show that we care for the guest. And sometimes things can go wrong. So, but if I care for, for, for you and we find a great solution, you will remember it. What's the recovery? Spectacular. Fantastic. What's, what's the things that we have done for you on a phone call 48 hours during a peak season because you are in need of a room and something happened in your house because there was a problem and you cannot stay in your room because it's flooded. So they came over here and we managed to find that it was not most probably his room or what he likes, but it was an emergency and he was very grateful for. So this sense of, I would say, being in a, in a project where we, we're gonna bring this hotel brings us quite all together because we feel quite a lot of proud. You know, we are hiking this mountain. We are a halfway. We know there's still so much potential. And therefore, it's for us, it's, it's important to see that you are in an environment where you feel well, you feel good. But it starts from us. We have all to feel well. We all to feel good. And I can tell you, we have a great sense of helping each other. That is very strange in France where, you know, usually I'm concierge. I do my job. I am a receptionist, I do my job. And if I'm a waiter, I do my job. When we are in a crunch moment, I know I can go, I go to do three or four department. And I say to the people, come with me, come with me. They never say where we go and something. We go in a room, we're all there. I take the broom, the other take the, the, the um, Hoover. 
the other cleans because we need to make sure that this room is finished in 20 minutes. And that also gives a good sense of team because you can lead the hotel, but you need the team 100%. Otherwise, you know, you are nobody. Right. You know, a president without the audience no is no one. And these also then make us laugh about it. And there is a sentence, sentence that we say every evening when we go, when we leave the hotel, we see you tomorrow for new adventures. <laughs> you know, and this makes everybody laughing, what's going on and all together. But I think it's important because it really gives us the, the, the feeling like we're accomplished, we're accomplishing, you know, we're going to accomplish something. I want to move, we've talked a little bit about service. I want to move to kind of the physical, the building. And you have the opportunity now over this five-year renovation plan to create something even more special than what exists today. What do you think are some of the key elements of a ultra-luxury resort property? Not on the personal, not on the people, but on the physical. On the physical. Space is very important. The the size of the room, the 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 welcoming of the room, space for dressing, space privacy of a little garden, privacy of the the if you if we if the room has a pool, privacy of the pool. Then very important to have uh, as well noiseless accommodation and all the little things that guests requires, like some people like to sleep totally black, so quite easy to do without uh, contemplating that when you built your room, that you're going to have these requests that maybe they slip your mind, but they are important for certain, certain people. I think it's important as well, the, we call it timeless decoration. In our company, we believe a lot of creating products that they are lasting and they reflect the sense of place where you are. This is a castle, so we do a little bit of feeling of being in a chateau, in yes. a castle. Of course, the, the location. And I said, the first one was a space because I believe that it gives you a sort of grand atmosphere you know we are blessed to have 13 hectares of park so everyone finds his own space and then also in the facilities you know if you can build a pool and sometimes you have the space of do it 25 meters do it 25 meters because if you just do it 18 meters because cost you less or something or is good the same it's not it's not the same the seven meters that you don't do they make a difference. I remember when Air France had a CEO and they were doing the seats in business class and they said, oh, the, the, the seats is going to be 90 degrees, almost flat. Well, almost is fine. In actual fact, it's not fine. Though, right. It's right. right. And then everyone has the shower, etc., etc. In the physical, is always important, I think, as well, to have to marry the decoration, the beauty with also what works. Sometimes too minimalist, too just too pure doesn't work. So we, we believe also has to be easy 
with technological of nowadays, yes, important, but uh, the robotic too much, we think is complicated. So we, we don't go in that kind of physical part. A great space for the lobby, for the entrance to mark the, the arrival experience. It's also something that, you know, we, we contemplate very well. And then obviously I would say that reliable partners with whom you are building in case of, you know, that they can offer you assistance. It's very important because at the beginning, the snagging list is very long. And when you cost in the building construction, everybody thinks that it works. Then obviously there is always difficulty. Always. So very, always. So very reliable partners that they can intervene because usually things always happen on the weekend. So you have to make sure that, you know, you have people that they help you. And then also we put accent on uh, having a couple of things that can make the difference, like in our RL company in here and Courchevel, we have, for instance, decided to have the little touch of a Rolls Royce to take you to the beach or to take you to the village in Courchevel or to take you to the village here in Saint-Tropez, just to make you feel that you are a little bit special. It does. Makes you feel special. <laughs> How has luxury, and I'm going to add experiential travel, changed? I was originally going to ask in the past 10 years, but I think we can even talk just in the past five years. How has it changed? And how maybe has the guest changed? First of all, obviously, if you think about it, nowadays we are not in charge, we as hotelier, we are not in charge of our marketing. The marketing is done by TripAdvisor, is done by the Instagram, is done by the guest. So we put a lot of money before in marketing. Now we are rethinking, we think, you know, anyway, everything the guest tells you. <laughs> right. So that has changed quite a lot. The customer has much more power. The customer has much more choice. There are a lot of people and a lot of companies that still are growing in the hotel business because obviously we all know that the people in the tourism will continue to work, will continue to travel. Yes. Instagram and all the social media have a lot to play because now, nowadays, everyone has the possibility to know what everyone does. We just need to follow many people and, you know, the, it seems you can be in the Caribbean, you can be in Latin America, and then you are sitting in your house. So that has changed quite a lot. That has brought also a total change in the food and beverage offer because nowadays everybody wants to experience, yes, the Italian restaurant, but then they want to experience as well the Asian flavor, but then they want to experience as well some novelty. Then the fusion cuisine came and so on and so on. So that as you have to be able to offer a variety of uh, food and beverage proposal that, you know, is quite wide. In the room, I would say in your room accommodation, the nothing has much changed in a way that of course everybody thinks about the beautiful toilet everybody thinks about the lighting and it's all very important but i think the basic are 
importance, the great mattress still is number one in my opinion. A great light in the room, it's always important, and as I said, space in the dressing room. But all of these has changed because the customer at the same time now knows what he wants because he has more accessibility to information. And so he knows, oh, I wanted that room. I saw that room here. I saw that room there. So you have to be very careful what you do. Therefore, they are more demanding. They are more willing to understand that they have to pay a premium or pay a rate. They don't mind that. The value for money was there 20 years ago, was there 10 years ago, is still there now because people, they, un they want to understand that has not changed much. And then what I would say that is that has changed is the fact that everybody wants an answer now. Everybody, because there is the telephone and the email, so the WhatsApp is a great way to communicate. Yes. Before we didn't communicate by SMS or WhatsApp, but now we ask their, your mobile number, we enter a little bit in your privacy, but it's important because then you can, you, you prefer to receive an SMS than a phone call. And you, and we, we, we notice that people respond more to SMS than to a phone call. Yes. So this has changed and more possibilities of traveling to inexperienced places or unknown places, not inexperienced, unknown places. Because everybody wants to be the first to say, I put it on Instagram and not you. So I was the one to, to discover. And obviously, the visual has changed. We have to be more visual. We have to be more Instagrammable. We have to surprise guests. We have to make sure that they come and they look and they say, oh, this is nice. Oh, I mean, oh, oh, oh. So all these oh, oh, eventually at the end, they will make a song. And, and that's has changed. But we have to respond faster because the level of patience or the or the time is is reduced i'm curious to know oftentimes you know the visionary of a hotel with the design and the experience comes he does it maybe he's the owner maybe he's someone else and then he leaves and then maybe he comes back but at this hotel there are so many visuals that are so amazing and so many little details there's no way that it could just have been done once and then have been left to sit there. How have you found to constantly instill a culture in the team or in you, or is there someone on the team to always be looking around and finding these beautiful moments to create or to enhance everything like the vines in the bar, the buffet, the little fruits everywhere, the flowers everywhere, you know, one person can't just think of this all. How, how do you create this environment like that? Our owner is a gentleman that actually takes everything with a lot of passion. And passion is a word that we use quite a lot in things that we do. He works in a very, in a way that suits me 100% because very rare we have a memo, very rare we have a, a call or a meeting of three hours. He comes, he parks his car, he calls me, says, do you have time to walk? And of course, you always have time to walk. And we walk. And we walk the property. And then he says, oh, what about this? I saw this. I saw that. Why don't we do this? Why don't we do that? And then if you see also something like, or oh, the kids club, last year, I said, 
would be great perhaps as well to enhance the kids club because the golf cart can 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 do the 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 trip but what about if we buy a little train so the kids can do the train said yeah great idea let's do it and that's it and that's the end of the story we are thinking now to add a table on the trees with a terrace where people could could go have dinner and dinner actually is just a picnic so you are going up there and then with the you know yeah little, to bring it up with a little panier a picnic and you will have your dinner you stay there until you want we can even bring you a duvet in september if you want to stay there what about if we plant this so this tour can last from one hour to three hours you take notes it takes picture and then if it's something that we really believe in it and is passion we are passionate about we're going to do it because we believe that then the reaction of the customer again is going to be great when we build the 25 meter pools for swimming the idea was to make it 50 but then we didn't get the permission for the town hall to do that so then we reduce it to 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 to, 50, to, to 25 we're going to put a paddle course next year to play paddle we have the boxing championship of france today coming to do the boxing thai boxing for our guests at 10 o'clock if they want to experience boxing for their form to keep fit we have the um, in august we have the champion the world champion of petanque of the famous french game he comes and visit and is here available we have done a drone show last week and again when he saw the drone show last year he told me oh that's great fantastic but what do you think if we're going to make it with 400 drones instead of 200? So I said, okay, let's try. And we try. And so he's a gentleman who always thinks, how can we make it better? And so for us, is a great motivational point. And everything is always in a level evolution. That's takes a lot of time, takes a lot of effort, but we know that this is the way to go forward. And restraint. Uh, yeah. You have to test it, try it. Of course, yes. What would surprise people most about operating an ultra-luxury hotel? The, the product is very important, and then the little touches, the little details. For instance, we have a, I think we can agree, we have a beautiful hotel, we have a beautiful location, we have a beautiful spot. We I went through a long way to think about how we would serve the Coca-Cola or the orange juice or the orange the soft drinks, orangina, without putting the can on the table. I don't know if you saw that or we experienced that, but order the Coca-Cola. And then you see how it's served. We have a little jar of crystal that we put the Coke in there, and then the Coke comes comes to you. So even a glass bottle in Europe wasn't good. You had to come up with a new way. Yes. We thought, ah, this is, how can we do that? And then one team, one member team of the bar said, why don't we do a jar? And so we uh, said, okay, why do we do the jar? And then once we like that, there is no question of saying, how much it cost but it doesn't really cost that much so what you're saying is it's not necessarily the big grand things 
it's maybe even the smaller details that make more of an impact. In the month of May, was very cold. Oh, let's say cold. It was chilly in the evening. And so we have a chimney there in our restaurant, the French restaurant. And so the the lady said uh, of the of the restaurant, the lady that she runs the restaurant, she said to me, Amaro, why don't we put uh, the, the fire? I said, like in Couchevel. I said, okay, let's do a fireplace. And actually that table that was never sold because near the chimney in month of May became the most demanded table because they had the chimney there. Right. Right. People were surprised. You asked me what right. can surprise in an ultra luxury environment. It surprises the fact that we go around with the a lady and take some shots of pictures. I should not tell you that because it will happen to you. And then we have your picture in, in the room. They were surprised the fact that when the children, they do something for the, the kids club, again, they, they can win a medal. They can come back. They tell you something and so on and so on. They are the, at the end is the, the gesture of the connection that makes the difference. There was a gentleman who told me that one of my team members at the pool, in the meantime, he was falling asleep at the pool. And then he saw that the sunshine was hitting him quite, you know, for a few minutes on the legs. He went, he moved the parasol just to make sure he was, he was under the, under the shade. These things surprise. If you go as well to, I will show you, we have a very special way to order from our wine list. We decided to do some cards instead of the wine list. I will show you that. As I said, because we put an element of humor, we also have fun in thinking these kind of things, you know? But the, the way we serve the iced tea as well, in, it's, it, it gives us pleasure. We are, a bit, we are a bit crazy. I want to talk about food and beverage because the food and beverage is phenomenal here. And even at the nicest hotels in the world, some of them just don't figure it out. They don't get it. In your experience, why do hoteliers mess up, screw up a food and beverage program at a hotel? What do they miss often? Well, this is a question that's very difficult to, to reply. I will not give any, I will not any criticism on what they miss. What we, what I would reply is we have, you have to eat the food. You have to, to eat before you present on the table. And if you think that that is really something that you would like to order, not as good, but you would like to order over and over, then we put it in the menu. For us, it's simple as that. And how do you think about working with outside food and beverage operators? Like here, there's Matsuhiso in a luxury hotel. Is that a key element that all luxury hotels should have in addition to their own in-house restaurants? It depends where you are and what the destination needs and what you want to create. I think that's important. We wanted to be here. We thought Nobu could be a good partner for us. He came, he looked at the hotel, he met us, we talked. And I guess we liked each other and he, he chose that part of the hotel. We gave him, you know, we could be here, here and there. He obviously, he took the most beautiful <laughs> view, <laughs> but um, uh, he's been a good partner. And for us, it works because also 
Saint-Tropez is a destination where there is always a little bit combination with the festivity, right? Yes. So it works well and it's been a success since day one. But for him and for us, and you know, that brings also overflow to our restaurant because sometimes they don't find a space or because sometimes they say, oh, let's try another restaurant. Then it's good as well. Oh, then let's try the third restaurant. Oh, it's good as well. Plus in an environment where we think that you ultra luxury, like, like you said, and as I said at the beginning, you have to have a food variety. So we, we, we're thinking again, how we can improve our proposal for next year, maybe bringing one more restaurant in the scene. You've worked with a lot of different owners. You've worked with larger hotel management companies. You've worked with other operators. They're all partners. What's the best way that you found to work with a partner? For me, the best way, because me, I'm the person who has to transform the vision of the owner concrete on the floor as a GM. I worked for Four Seasons, I worked for the beginning Sol Kersner in One and Only, and even prior to being One and Only was called Sun International. The best always has been when it's an owner, proprietor, and uh, operator. Because sometimes the management contract, the management partnership with who you are, if they are not aligned, on what you want to do because the hotel business is not only a business of you create legacy, you create memories, not the business of where you can say I buy an hotel and in five years time I have an exit, an exit plan because I'm an equity firm and I need to make money. That's a very difficult condition to work under. But if you have an owner and an operator who wants to create something, who wants to invest, and in the hotel business, I also use an, always another formula. One plus one doesn't give you always two. Sometimes it gives you much more. You have hotel guests that they are thinking to leave on 25th, and then they're going to extend maybe for three or four days. And then they're going to call a friend and he's coming and he's staying in the hotel as well. And then they may be going to the restaurant and that was all not planned at all. Right. So. It's very difficult to say what an hotel can give you as the same for a great luxury product. I guess nobody would have thought that the Jane Birkin Hermes bag was going to have such a value. Right. But to me, the best formula is if the operator and the owner are aligned and they know where they want to go, that always works well. I ask all the guests on the podcast the same closing question, and you can't pick this hotel, but that is, what is your favorite hotel? That's a difficult question to... You can pick a couple. To, to reply. No, I, I pick something because I pick one because uh, I got engaged there and as a special place in my heart. Now I know that it's under renovation, but I like it in the way it was because it means a lot for us, is the Splendid in Portofino, where I got engaged with, with, with my wife. But all the hotel that I work with, I always keep a very good memory. I could tell you as well, the San Giovanni Mauritius, where I got the first time the general manager position, the, the one and only Maldives, because it, it, it happened something that was very uh, alarming 
and then uh, we turn it out in being something really great. So these are the three hotels that I would say to you. I love it. Mara, thanks for joining me on the podcast. Pleasure. It was a great pleasure to be invited. Hey, everyone. It's Jake here. Thanks again for joining me on this conversation. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. Lastly, don't forget to follow me on Twitter at jwarzak. I'll see you in the next episode. Jake Warzak is the founder and CEO of Dove Hill Capital Management. All opinions expressed by Jake and his guests are solely their own and do not reflect the opinions of Dove Hill Capital Management. This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not reflect or represent real estate, financial, or investment advice. Mm-hmm.